Amen. For the rest of us, it's really good to have Phil Stokes here. I've known Phil and his wife Julie for many, many years. Uh, their daughter and son-in-law and a couple of grandkids come to this church. Uh, it's lovely to have the Morrises here. Uh, Phil leads a church called The Well in Camberwell, and he's going to uh, lead off in our series on prayer. And he's uh, linked with one of the networks that uh, I went to the national conference this year, and we feel he's a good network in his country called Pioneer. He's uh, one of the London leadership team of Pioneer. Let's pray for Phil. Lord, we thank you for Phil. Thank you for Julie. Thank you for their work and ministry in London over so many years. Thank you for their heart, for prayer. And Lord, so we thank you for your word. In the to hear from you. Uh, may we understand it. May we get it. And may it make a real life-changing difference to our lives and to the lives of the people we pray for. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's welcome Phil. Thank you. Thank you. So this is, wow, applause before I've even started. That's good, isn't it? Um, we'll wait. I'd, I'd like to know that there's probably going to be something that uh, is appreciated by the end of it as well. But uh, it's nice to have applause at front. Yeah. So uh, it's really good to be here. I feel like I'm among friends. We've kind of lots of old friends here that I haven't seen for quite a while. Hi. Who knows me? A few of you. That's good. Who's never seen me before in your whole life? You're the blessed. Okay. So, um, yeah, you've probably met my uh, daughter, who may sometimes be found over here with our two grandchildren playing in, in the left. I think she's here this morning, but uh, our family's crossed at a number of levels. I've uh, had Steve in our front room for uh, a few weeks uh, going through a little thing on discipleship. And so uh, it seems like our paths are crossing again, doesn't it? It's great. It's good. Uh, I, I love it when old friends reconnect. You know, for a short while ago on Facebook, my old band from when I was uh, 18 found each other and said, let's do a reunion tour. Who knew that this sort of thing would happen? You know, walking into a room with people you haven't seen for 30 years and then picking up the guitar and playing some stock songs and realizing, actually, we're much better musicians now than we were back then. It makes a difference, you know, 30 years. But to connect with people you haven't seen, I think, is a wonderful thing. It gives me energy, and I love renewing old friendships. But God is always looking for people who want to renew their friendships. Did you know that? Their friendship with him, with one another, with, with, with the, the mission that he's got. There's a lovely phrase. I, I mean, I quite like this, this chap, Bernard Shaw. He was one of those chaps uh, who used to write some crazy things. But he said, Bernard, George Bernard Shaw, how many of you know of him? He said this. He said, all hope of change lies with the unreasonable man. Um, which I quite like because I can be quite unreasonable at times. And it kind of seems that to put a positive spin on some of my unreasonableness. But the point I think that he was making was that just to settle for the status quo is not going to see us get where we need to go. Yeah? Oh, that rhymes. I didn't know that. Just settling for the status quo will not get us where we want to go. <laughs> and uh, and it, it does seem that uh, when God is doing something, he's usually looking... Well, actually, he starts by looking for the, un, the, the, the unreasonable woman in, in many instances in the Old Testament. And he starts to look for the woman... 
who is desperate. And it seems to be a pattern. There's a pattern in Scripture that when God is doing a new thing, he, he tends to look for the barren woman. Have you noticed that? Yeah? Anybody read your Bible? Occasionally? It's a, it's, a, it's a recurring reality that when God starts to want to get people praying, moving, getting into the new thing that he's doing, then he's usually looking for the, the, the passionate, unreasonable woman who will stir up and ask for something that they don't have. And I don't know about you this morning, but I, um, I, at times I get desperate. Hello? Anybody get desperate? Anybody feeling a little bit desperate this morning? Well, that's good, because you're in good company. And that's where Hannah lands. That's why she lands so powerfully for us. She prays the prayer of the desperate woman, the desperate human being. And welcome to the human race. We are all in desperate need of help. We all need to see some kind of intervention from heaven. And um, let me just, oh, just a couple of examples. When God promised uh, a future hope to Abraham, what did he do? He promised a child in his old age, didn't he? He said, you will have a child. And there were many years before the, from the, the, the promise to the fulfillment. How many years? I don't know. I can't. Anybody know how long it was? 25 years. Now, that's quite a gap between the promise and the fulfillment. And so he promises a son to him. In fact, he comes in the form of a, a stranger and, uh, and sits in the camp and has uh, a kebab with Abraham and his wife's in the, in the tent. And he says, this time next year, Abraham will have a son. I love this story. Do you love, have you ever read this story? It's really funny, isn't it? And, uh, and Sarah overhears this and she's shoving a sock in, in her mouth, trying not to laugh. And saying, what? You know, I'm not even sure he's up to it, let alone conceiving. And, um, but, and, and, and what does God say? He says, did Sarah, Sarah, why did your wife laugh? He, he says. And, uh, and Sarah goes, she's caught on the harp and she says, no, I didn't, I didn't laugh. What, me? No, no, I wasn't laughing. And, uh, and Abraham says, yes, you did laugh. It's a bit, it's the first pantomime, all right? It's the first pantomime sketch and it's in the Bible. And if you want to read it, look, check it out. I'm not making this stuff up. It is totally there. You can read the story. And, um, and God is clearly, you know, we can miss the pain and the frustration that preceded that story, the 25 years, but it's a funny ending to it. And sure enough, God comes through on his promise. Yeah? God's pretty good at coming through on his promises. So he stirs us up with a promise. And they, he seeds us with something of a hope. And then we seem to go through this big gap. And we're going, where the flipping heck is it? Where is the promise of the thing that I heard from God? And I know I heard from God. And you know where I just love that word that, that, that Yvonne gave this morning. It's so powerful and so on point for what we're talking about, isn't it? When we're desperate, we tend to pray the prayer of where on earth are you, God? Hello? We tend to pray the prayer of desperation. And Hannah prays this prayer. And she gets into this place where she's saying, and it, it's a strange thing, actually. Before I move on, uh, this whole business of, of, uh, of barren women, um, it's a similar story with Rebecca, their daughter-in-law. Uh, uh, it was decades before she could conceive. And then Rachel, their granddaughter, she was getting old, and she said, give me children lest I die. 
There's a bit of a strange thing. It's kind of a thing with this family, isn't it, I think? <laughs> Late conceptions was definitely a, an Abrahamic reality. And then we get to the, the New Testament, and who do we meet first? But a barren woman, Elizabeth, yeah? And God shows up, and lo and behold, she has John the Baptist. Are you following the theme here? Scriptures hold together in an incredible way, don't they? They're not just a, a whole load of co a collection of tweets and ins inspirational Instagrams. That's not the Bible. I mean, it, apparently that is the Bible as well, but it's far more than that. It hangs together, and it takes us on a journey that teaches us something, that there's something going on beyond what we can see. And that's what I love about the Bible. It takes you behind the scenes, doesn't it? It gives you the questions. It gives you the promises, but it also gives you the questions. It gives you the questions to ask. And it gives us even the prayers to pray when the questions that we're asking are not being answered. How good is that? God has provided for us so many examples and situations that connect with where we are and who we are and the battles that we have. And then God, of course, takes the conception thing to a whole new level and Jesus is born of a virgin. Not a barren woman, but a woman who would be the last one you would expect to have a child. A woman who is completely not looking for that child and zero possibility of conceiving. God's clearly in the business of miraculous conceptions. And today, I think God is calling us and challenging us and saying, I'm doing a new thing. Pat kind of touched on it there with that word. He's doing something new. And when he wants to do something new, he's looking for the, the desperate prayer. So I want, us to talk, I want us to look at Hannah's prayer. And I want to share a little bit of story of my own. And I want you to reflect on your own journey. Because... We're all called to a hero's journey. Did you know that? Every one of us is on a journey that is potentially a hero's journey. And the nature of a, a hero's journey is that you have to slay a few dragons. Did you know that? Anybody read any movies, seen any movies or watched any um, uh, Lord of the Rings clips or anything like that? The whole hero's journey is about dealing with those things which other people often don't want to deal with and that we don't want to deal with but we have to deal with it. Yeah? So let's keep prayer real. I'm really excited for your series in prayer. Keep it real, though. Make sure you keep it completely grounded in the experiences and the reality of where you're at. Because if it's not, we're not really quite yet in the place of desperate prayer. It's only when we're crying out with that visceral pouring out of our hearts that we're really getting into what prayer is about. That's what Samuel teaches us. That's what Hannah teaches us. It's a, it's a reality we have to face. This is a cruel world. You know, maybe you're one of the blessed people who the cruel bits are only at the fringes. Or maybe you've grown up with a lot of that difficulty and cruelty at the core of your life. But it is challenging, isn't it? And every one of us has to face the challenges of living in a world with pain and with loss. And sometimes you just don't know where to take it. Sometimes you just don't know what to do with the pain and the loss that you're feeling. And um, I was talking to Julie the other morning, and um, she, she was relating some injustice to me the, the other day, and she said, I just want to scream and shout. 
and I want to throw a tantrum. And uh, being the loving, attentive, listening husband that I am, I said, and would that help? <laughs> and she said, well, it might for a nanosecond, you know, but then I'd feel pretty embarrassed and stupid. And um, I said, well, that's probably true, because um, there is a safe place to let all that stuff out. And it's probably not on the supermarket floor. But that's a shame, isn't it? But if, if, you know, if you want to go for it, hey, but, but don't let me stop you. But there are times when we're desperate. And the thing is that God, even if we're mature adults and we've, we've learned to cope with the difficulties of life, we're all people who remain in need. And there's that child in us that wants to scream and shout occasionally and throw a tantrum. Anybody want to be honest enough to put their hand up to that? Yeah. <laughs> Church leader, so it's okay, you can do it. We want to express, I'm not happy with the status quo. I'm not happy with the situation. And that is when we start to get real with prayer. That's my only ever ex experience of real prayer, if I'm honest, is when I've got to that point and I'm starting to say things in the way they really feel and they really need. And there's a desperation. So let me ask you this morning, how desperate are you? How desperate are you this morning? Are you desperate enough to spend time pouring out your soul before the Lord? Yeah? Here's a question for you. Are you desperate enough to spend time pouring out your soul before the Lord? Or are you just, oh, I'm not that desperate yet. Don't worry. That's fine. It's okay. If you're not, that's not an issue. The, ch the key challenge here and the key invitation is God is saying, this is where I will meet you. Yeah? This is the place that will you'll see the breakthroughs and the changes. Hannah's prayer is, um, is so desperate that Eli thought she was drunk. There's only other one, one other place, interestingly enough, in the Bible where people who were praying were confused for being drunk. Exactly. There's some, I just occurred to me, and I was reading this, and I thought, well, this has happened before somewhere. Someone confused someone praying for being drunk. It's interesting, these little clues in, in the Bible, isn't there? These little links to certain things. She's so in pain, that she cries out, because she, she can't, and she can't eat. She's, she's wept so much, she's lost her appetite. Has anybody ever been there? You've wept so many tears, you can't eat. No. It's fine. There's something about that kind of longing and need that takes us through all the facades and all the pretenses and all the places where we could pretend and say, I can cope with this things are all right, to the place where we say, this is just not good enough, God. Are you getting my heart here? Are you following me? This is just not good enough. This is where we get this word. She's battling with anger. She's been taunted daily by her rival, Fertile Myrtle, you know, the one who seems to have all the babies, and she's the one having none. Uh, the other wife uh, uh, of, of Elkmal is producing the children, and she's not having any. And she's going, what is going on? She's angry. And 
you know, I think uh, her, his the other wife probably had issues with with um, Hannah as well because the husband loved her more. That's what the, the passage tells us. How would you like to feel to be married? I mean, we don't have polygamy so much nowadays, but if it was to happen, how would you feel? I'm the second fiddle, but hey, I've got one ace card. I've got two kids, so I'm going to rub it in the face of my rival. That was what was going on in the story. Can you picture that? And she's battling with fear because there will be... Um, the thing is, they didn't have... What do they call them? Retirement plans? Back then? The only retirement plan was a few strong sons. Yeah? The only retirement plan was to have a few children who could look after you in your old age. And that's still the case in many countries around the world. And if you haven't got that, you've got nothing. And so her hope for the future was zero. You know, her husband would die probably earlier than she would because he would normally be older than she was anyway. And, though, and, and in those days, the, 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 the only insurance was to, was to grow a family and to let them become your protection and your provision. So they would provide for you and they would protect you from the raiding bands and the other, uh, the other groups that would roam around the area. It was a dang- this is a violent part of history. Make no bones about it. You read through scripture and you start to see just what it was like. And she's battling with shame and failure because she's, I mean, what's the point? She's just sucking up air. What is she contributing to this relationship, to this family? She is, what's her point? Her meaning. And she's lacking that sense of identity and fulfillment in who she is because being a mother was the kind of key way in which you would fulfill that within that culture. Now, so, and, uh, yeah. It was just said earlier on, Nigel said it. Akinar seems like a good, bar- good guy, but he did seem a little to overrate himself in some areas, didn't he? He says, aren't I worth more than ten sons? I'm not so sure you are, mate. Get over it. You know, the reality is, in that instance, that's, not, that's just not where she was at. That's just not what she was feeling. And, uh, you know, he gave her the the extra portions and all the rest of it, lavished her with gifts, but it wasn't enough. And you might say, well, this is modern society. You know, we've got rid of all these kind of pressures, haven't we? We don't have polygamy anymore, or do we? I'm not so sure. Um, we, we've got rid of uh, the expectation that you've got to fulfill your destiny and your identity by having children. Women can be fer- perfectly fulfilled without all of that. And that may be the case, but it's kind of missing the point here. Because however we restructure society to meet our basic needs, we've still got those basic needs. Amen? They're not going to go away. The need for fulfillment, the need for protection, the need for provision, the need for security, the need for identity and meaning are common to all of us. Yeah? And every one of us is looking for them. So what we see in Hannah is this total heart cry, because when she's questioned by Eli, Eli, she says, it says actually, so, let's step back a little bit, um, Hannah, with all this pain, what does she do with it? It says in verse 9, she rose, you've got the script, I put it up here. 
then Hannah arose after eating and drinking. And um, that's a strong word in Hebrew. It's a word that indicates she's resolved something. You know, it's not just saying she got up. <laughs> well, it is. But it's what it's saying and what it's implying is something snapped for Hannah. She said, that's it, that's enough. I've got to see this through. And she goes to Shiloh and she starts to pray. She goes to Shiloh, the temple of the Lord was in Shiloh. And she, she resolves to get her petition heard. And I think that testimony of Yvonne's was probably a similar one. You know, see, I mean, that's what she's saying, wasn't it? I cried, she cried out. The pain of that moment lives with her. And I, I've got a word for her afterwards. I don't know if she's even here, but um, a word to, to, to share with her. Yeah, she'll be back. I'll share when she gets back in. But she resolved to process her pain by pouring it out to God. Amen? She resolved to, to, to process what had happened and what was going on and the tension between the promise and the reality, the tension between what she knew God was like and actually her experience in the moment. And that's the place which is always meant to send us on a journey. That's the place that's always meant to send us on a journey. Because when we start that in that place and we start to pray, if you pour something out, you know what happens if you pour something out? Usually you've got an empty vessel, isn't that right? You pour something out, you pour it into usually into something else. In this case, she was pouring her soul out into the Lord, which is a lovely exchange. Because what happens when you pour your soul out into the Lord is that your soul is empty and his soul is full of what you've entered into it. And then he gives you everything that's in his soul, he puts into your soul. So there's a space, because you've got an empty space now in your soul. Hello? You following me? You've got room for something new. There's an exchange that can happen because you've made room for it. You've poured out everything you're carrying. You said, God, this is yours. Okay? You... I've got to deal with it. At that point, there's space for God to do something in us. And what does it say? It happens to Hannah. It's a very interesting thing, isn't it? It says that she received Eli's blessing, and she gets up, and she goes away, and she eats, and her face is no longer sad. Isn't that interesting? There's, a, there's been, something's happened at that point, because she's prayed a particular prayer. I'm going to look at that in a minute. But she's prayed, and then she gets peace. And then, of course, the prayer is answered. And I would suggest to you that peace always precedes the breakthrough. Not the other way around. But peace is what we're always praying into. And rest, and the place of peace. That's what Sabbath's all about. You know, the one, what is the Bible talk so much about Sabbath? Do you know it's talking about rest, isn't it? It's talking about not doing all the things that you think necessarily will get you there, but learning on a certain, in a certain rhythm and pattern of your day to be throwing all your cares onto God so that you can work from a place of rest. Isn't that great? 
So you can do what you do from a place of peace rather than from a place of exhaustion or fear or anxiety. And so Sabbath and so this prayer of desperation is breaking through. And she, she prays, she exchanges her anxiety for the Lord's peace. And then she goes away. And then guess what? The prayer starts to get answered. Isn't that incredible? Get on with your life. And things start to change. Something has happened. There's a transaction in prayer. Always a transaction that leads us into a place of peace in order to see the breakthrough. It never comes the other way around. You don't get the pregnancy and then the peace. That's not, way, <laughs> that's not the way it works. You don't get the breakthrough and then the peace. Peace comes from the breakthrough. Break, breakthrough, sorry, comes from the peace. Okay? That way around. It's interesting, isn't it? When we get the peace, the breakthrough can follow. So what's your prayer today? What's, um, what's, uh, what's up in your life? What are you looking for? What are you looking to see happen? What are you, you know, passionate enough about to actually say to God, I'm not letting go until you bless me? Yeah? I'm not going to let go of this until I see or hear you speak to me. Every time in my life where there's been any significant fruit or change has been when I've reached that point. When I'm not going to say, I'm not going to let you, let you go, Lord, until you bless, unless you change, unless you do something. You know, Hannah could have settled for the status quo. She could have said, I'm loved, I'm the, I'm the more loved of the two. Yeah, I'm, I'm childless. But hey, you know, maybe in God's purposes, that's fine. She could have settled for that. Hello? But she didn't. She was, she was insistent on hearing God and seeing something change. And when we get insistent, things do change. At least that's been my experience. That seems to be the message of Scripture all the way through. When we get insistent, things change for the better. Hello? How desperate are you this morning? We need to land this. Let me ask a controversial question. Who provokes Hannah with desperation? Panina. Yeah, definitely Panina. was definitely part of the game, wasn't she? Well, what does it say in the same verse that it says Panina... Her rival provoked her. What does it say then? Because the Lord had closed her womb. Now that's interesting, isn't it? We can gloss by that fact and sail straight into, okay, she was in a tough situation. But sometimes, I just want to add to you, the Lord makes it tougher in order for us to get to the place that he wants us to be in. Hello? Sometimes there may be a process needed. And I would suggest this is usually more for those who are mature amongst us than those who are young or child in, or, or children in the faith. But certainly for those of us who are mothers and fathers, I want to suggest to you that there are times when the Lord will make things harder for you in order for you to start to, start to pray the prayer, of the significant prayer to start to pray the prayer that isn't about your need, that isn't so much totally about your need, but is he's getting into the bigger picture. Because Hannah 
was that her, her womb was closed by the Lord. Now, that's a retrospective observation, isn't it? Because who's writing this? This is Samuel, isn't it? Who is the son of the promise, her son. This is, her, this is his mum he's writing about. And so he's writing about it and saying, look, it was so tough for her. Why was it so tough? Well, actually, in retrospect, it was the Lord who closed her womb. Now, that's a big picture behind the scenes kind of image, isn't it? And we go, hang on, does God really do that kind of stuff? I thought he was good. Oh, I thought he was a good God. Yes, of course he is. But for those of us who he wants to see become like him, he will sometimes allow and bring, or allow, certainly allow, certain obstacles and situations to drive us along the path of maturity. It's a place where we can grow and take responsibility in Pray in our lives, in our decisions, for those, for our own lives, but also in a way that affects and blesses the lives of those around us. Amen? That's the course of maturity, isn't it? The call to maturity. And God will put us and allow those things to happen sometimes, if we are those mature people, in order to mature us even further. I would suggest. So I just want to finish with this question. How? It's the same question I started with. How this good are you this morning? Don't feel sorry for Hannah. She won her battle, didn't she? She won. She came home victorious with spoils. With the spoils of war, you know. Peace is a battle. It's a battle to enter into. And then in chapter 2 we see this wonderful prayer. I read it the other day and one of the ways I like to get underneath the skin of Scripture is just to rewrite it in my own words. So I did that with Hannah's prayer. That's my words. Uh, her prayer, my words. Okay. Um, I'll send it to you if you want it. But um, it is just, uh, it's just the, the form of words that she gives. What she does is start by thanking God, and then she goes into prophesying to people and saying, look, you folks around you, see, this is the way the Lord works. Yeah? It becomes a testimony. And as soon as we see God move in our lives, we've got something to say to people. Isn't that right? Hello? When we see God moving in our own life, we've got something to say to people. If you've got nothing to say to people, then get desperate, see the Lord move in your life, and then you'll have something to say. Hello? I'm going to stop saying hello. My, my daughter really pulls me up on that. She says, Phil, stop saying hello. This is your, your preacher's tick, as it were. Oh, well, uh, sometimes it seems the only appropriate thing to ask the question, are we getting to the place where we want to be this morning? Most prayers, some prayers are a quick turnaround. We can feel sorry about something, we can pray sorry, and we can feel immediately the relief and the blessing. Isn't that right? Quick turnaround prayer. Other prayers seem to be about the energy of Something's going to shift in us before something can shift out there. Yeah? That's what happens a little bit with Hannah. She could have been praying in earlier prayers. She could have just been praying, oh, let me let me beat my rival, you know? <laughs> Who knows what she was praying? Let me beat my rival. Let me let me show up Penanar by having children and being both a loved one and a fruitful one. She could have been praying, oh God, I'm so frightened about my future that I need a son and I need him to look after me 
and she could have been focused on her fears. What does she get to when she prays? What was her vow? Remember? She would give him to God. And in giving him to God, she's transcended both her fears and her anger. Which I think is amazing, don't you? There's something about reaching a point in prayer where, we, where we, we, we've transcended our fears and we've transcended our anger and we've prayed the prayer of significance. And you know what happens then? We give birth to, prophet, to the prophet. We give birth to something of a move of God. We start to birth something which is beautiful. Isn't that right? You want your life to be birthing something beautiful this morning? You want your church to be birthing something beautiful? Amen? As you enter the series of prayer, this <coughs> season of prayer, let me encourage you to be desperate, be determined, be focused, be willing to say, this is S-H-I-T. Okay? This is not what I signed up for. Tell God what it is that you did sign up for. Tell him and get to the point and wrestle with absolute honesty to the point where you can say, God has given me peace. Yeah? And then get out, carry on with what you're doing, and watch him do his thing. Amen? So we pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good at this stuff. You're good at prayer. And you've shown us, Lord, what prayer looks like when we get real. And we thank you, Lord, that there is a promise that comes with every prayer. You promised to us peace and joy and justice in the Holy Spirit. But you have promised us the kingdom and you've given us the kingdom. You've promised us many things and we receive those promises in confidence that every day, every year, we will see more of those promises come to us. We say today, Lord, because as we press in to be insistent, not compliant, to be determined, not passive, to be intentional and not lazy. Help us, Lord, to pray, even as you taught us to pray, our Father. Let's just say the Lord's prayer again. Our Father, who is in heaven, Holy is your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. I think I missed a bit. Your will be done. Oh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen. God bless you. Thank you very much, Bill. Let's stand together. It's good to drink in what we've heard. And let's keep our hearts open to the Lord. Let's help us to pray in this next season.
in our lives. 